0: Matthew chapter four said. I think we're going to probably do one more along these lines. We've been uh, just doing a series on service, studying the life of Christ and just the methods that he used, and following the example that he followed, with the intent of trying to recruit more servants, making sure that it passes on. You and I, we can only accomplish so much by ourselves, but we can accomplish so much more. Uh, when you have that team. There's one verse in the Bible, I think it says, God said, one of you shall chase a thousand, and two shall put ten thousand to flight. You would think with two, it would only be two thousand. But you know what? There's just something about two working together where you can get a whole lot more done than two individuals working by themselves. And we see that principle throughout the Bible. And um, it's something that we need to get a hold of because... I want to accomplish some things for the Lord. I want to see as I want to see as many people saved as possible. I love seeing Satan get defeats, and I like being a part of that. And I want to—I always want to do more. That ought to always be our attitude. Just always want to do more for Christ. But if we're going to do things, I mean, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to serve man, which is really in a way how we serve God by serving others, you're going to find out that it's going to be very. Very challenging. And Jesus Christ, while He was on this earth, remember, He was God, but He was also man. And Jesus, while He was on this earth, He went through many great challenges. I mean, and think about, you know, People, you know, they like to ask those stupid questions. You know, can God build a mountain so high that He can't climb it? You know, they like to throw those stupid scenarios out there. But you know, at the same time, we're talking about Jesus Christ here. But yet, there was things that He faced that were very challenging for Him. And of course, because He was God, because He was holy, He always was successful on those challenges. But through Him, we can also be successful on the challenges we face. And so I want us to look at some of the things that Jesus faced, some of the challenges, because the challenges He faced, um, we are going to face those same things on a smaller scale. You know, Obviously, none of us can handle what Jesus was able to handle. But I want us to go to Matthew chapter 4, and I want us to read uh, this passage here where Jesus is receiving one of the challenges that He got were from the devil. And you and I, we're going to get challenges from the devil. Many of them. We could all probably tell stories about times when the worst, at the worst possible time, the worst possible thing that could happen, happened. You know, there's people that are going to come in your life. Many of them might even come into the church. That at the worst, I mean, at the low point in your life, the last thing in the world that you would want to hear is what they will tell you. And you're going to think, how did they know? To say that, well, there, you know, people aren't that smart, but the devil is, and the devil, he has a few of his disciples, usually even in the house of God. Even one of the twelve was a devil with Jesus Christ, and he he challenges us and he did it with Jesus too. And we, in Matthew chapter four, verse one, it says, "Then was Jesus led up with the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had fasted forty days." And forty nights He was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to Him, He said, If Thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Jesus Christ, right after His baptism, immediately He leaves and He goes to be tempted of the devil. I mean, this is something I don't know. You remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about what Jesus knew and how much He knew and when He found out some things. And what told Jesus to go into the wilderness To be tempted the devil, we really don't know. I mean, obviously I believe he was just led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. But before he was going to start his ministry, of course, the first thing he had to do was get baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to set the example. Remember, Jesus went and got baptized. And then the very next thing that happens to him is he goes and faces the devil. The devil himself puts some challenges to Jesus Christ. And one of the things that you're going to find out, one of the things we see all the time, and, it's all, and it breaks my heart sometimes. when I see somebody, when they first get saved, I mean, you can almost you can count on it. The devil is going to go after those people. You will see all kinds of things pop up in their lives. They face things, Tough things. I mean, challenging things. And you know it's just the devil trying to discourage them. He doesn't like the fact that they just received Christ as their Savior. And he really hates it if he sees them go and get baptized and they're already taking that first step of obedience because if they take that first step, there's a good chance they're going to take the second step. They're going to get involved in the house of God. They're going to start telling others. And the last thing He wants them doing is what a Christian's supposed to do in recruiting. And going and getting more People saved, and so he challenges them. And as older Christians, sometimes that have maybe been through it, we see it coming, and it's hard because you'd like to, you wish there was some way you could protect them from it. Just like parents, many times they know their kids are going to have to face some challenges, and they'll do everything they can to protect those kids from those challenges, but at some point, you're not going to be able to. They're going to have to face those challenges on their own, and these challenges that new converts go through—I mean, it's boy, it's really them and God. All we can really do is pray for them, try to encourage them. But Jesus went through these same things. He was tempted of the devil, and we're going—we uh, won't read the rest of the passage right now, but we'll refer to some of the things as we go. But one of the first things the devil does: Jesus fasts for forty days. Now. And then the first thing the devil does is tempts him with food. Now, why do you? Th- first of all, why did Jesus fast for forty days? You know why do that? Especially, I mean, since he was God, didn't he know that the devil was going to tempt him with food? He would try to get him to change a stone into bread. What was Jesus thinking there? Listen, the reason Jesus went. I believe He fasted for 40 days. Spiritually, the only way we're going to handle some things is through prayer and fasting. We talked before about the, the demonic child, that the disciples, they couldn't cast the devils out of them. And Jesus said, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. And to be able to handle some of the things, we've got to be spiritually ready. We've got to be praying. We've got to do the fasting. And so Jesus goes 40 days. And so what does the devil do? He tempts them with bread. Because that's how the devil works. The worst possible thing he could throw at you, he's going to throw at you. I heard a story one time about a man. He had just gotten saved and the Lord started convicting him about his smoking and about the cigarettes. And he went and he went to the altar that night and he had a pack of cigarettes in his pocket. He pulled those cigarettes out. He laid them on the altar. Gave him the passage. said, I'm giving these things up. I'm not done smoking anymore. I don't think the Lord wants me smoking. That night after the service, they went... And they're sitting in a restaurant, eating in a restaurant, and he's sitting there in this booth, and he's not far from this wall, and right in the, an eye level in the wall is a cigarette stuck to the, somebody like stuck the cigarette to the wall. And this whole time he's eating, he's just kind of looking at this, looking at the cigarette. Now, you and I, that might not bother us very much, but somebody who's just given up smoking and has probably gone a little bit and starting to get the shakes and stuff, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to him. But the devil, that's, that's the way he works. That's what he's going to do. The worst, I mean, if Jesus would have done something else to prepare, the devil might have used something else. But he picked the thing that he thought this is the most likely thing to get him. And a life of service sometimes may mean doing without some things. It may mean doing without some luxuries. Jesus, with the miracles that He could perform, performed, it's like why couldn't He have just made that stone into bread and ate it? There's nothing wrong with eating. But Jesus never did. We never see Him do one miracle for His own benefit. It was always for the benefit of other people. And that's the attitude that we're supposed to have as a servant, that our life is not about what we can gain for ourselves and what we can do for ourselves, but it's about what we can do for others. And it may mean doing without some things. And Jesus Christ I mean, was willing to go without food for 40 days. Most of us, we couldn't go without food for 40 hours in a time of prayer and fasting. But I believe one of the reasons for that is we're, a lot of times we're not intense enough about our prayer and about what we want. We really don't want it that bad. But Jesus, He wanted nothing more than to serve the Father and He he wanted to defeat the devil. And so, He prepared Himself. Forty days of fasting. You'd say, wouldn't that make it harder? Well, it worked for Christ. He was very successful in this. He told Satan, "You know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Use Scripture at the devil. And then right after that, the devil goes and he takes him into the holy city. And of them on the pinnacle of wait, I'm in the I skipped the spot. Uh or no, that's right. He took him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands uh, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus saith unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Once again. He's trying to get Jesus to do something stupid. He's trying to get him to do something that he shouldn't do to prove himself. And I believe what this was here is the pride of life at work. We see that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that's always how Satan works. That's exactly what he did with Eve. The lust of the eyes, the tree that was good for fruit. It was a tree to be desired to make one wise. You know The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it was all in there with Eve. And it was all there with Christ. And once again, Jesus Christ, He quotes Scripture to Him. And Satan leaves Him alone there. Then Satan takes Him into a high mountain. And He shows Him all these kingdoms of the earth. And He said, All these will I give if you will bow down and worship Me. And Jesus once again quotes Old Testament Scripture to Him. And says, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only shalt thou serve Jesus Christ but he he was challenged by these things by the devil the devil was I mean really when you stop and think about that too he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth I don't know what the kingdoms were I don't know even if they were spiritual kingdoms worldly kingdoms what they were but I think the devil he was smart because the kingdom that Jesus was trying to set up at this time it was a more of a spiritual kingdom it was one that was ultimately going to lead to his crucifixion. And you know, it would have been real easy for us to be like, forget these people. I'll just take what I can get from the devil. And But Jesus Christ, once again, He fulfilled these things. Satan couldn't get him, And after that, He left Christ. He left him for a season. He left him alone. And you know, a life of service, it doesn't always look pretty. He uses that lust of the eyes. That sometimes... From the outside, looking in, when you look at the life of a faithful servant of God. And listen, I'm not just talking about pastors and missionaries. I don't even talking about I'm talking about faithful lay people. I'm telling you right now, there's some of the biggest blessings in the world. And they are absolutely necessary and important. But people that just love God, serve God, it doesn't always look pretty. They don't always live the most luxurious lifestyles. They don't really impress people by maybe the cars they drive and the clothes they wear. It doesn't always look pretty, but God's not in God doesn't bless us in a way that's meant to impress other people. That's the way the devil works. The devil, he likes to use all the fancy things. He likes to use the lust of this world to get people's attention, the attractive things to catch our eyes. And it, and many times it works, but it didn't work with Christ, and it shouldn't work with us. And we ought to be willing to be servants. It doesn't sound exciting. It doesn't always look exciting when you see people that are that are just laboring for the Lord, and sometimes maybe even suffering. I've got a book in my office. That I've read a saint's highest calling: suffering. Peter talks a lot about suffering, and you and you go and you study the lives of some of the great men and women of God and the things that they've gone through on the outside it doesn't look that pretty in fact it's kind of scary some of the best Christians I know have gone through some horrible things faced some awful tragedies and it doesn't look good but once again that's satan using the lust of the eyes and he and he's very successful with that, a life of service doesn't always look pretty. And a life of service doesn't always bring a lot of worldly recognition. I personally believe that if we were to get together today and try to write a list of names of people that we thought were the top ten greatest Christians that are going to receive the most rewards when they get to heaven, I'll bet we'd all probably get it all wrong. I'll bet the people that are probably going to get the most are probably going to be people that we don't even know. God's greatest servants are maybe some unknown person, maybe some missionary that went and served in some remote land. Only got a few converts, but he was where God wanted them. He was faithful to what God had called them to do. Never got much worldly recognition, but God was paying attention to what was going on. But many times that pride of life, people are like, man, you know, I'm not going to serve there. Nobody's going to know what I'm doing there. Nobody's going to pay attention to me, if I'm over there. And if that's why you're in it, boy, I I recommend getting out of it real quick. But a life of just understand a life of service. While we've been talking about this for several weeks, while the Bible says, Happy are ye. If you're gonna be happy if you're a faithful servant of Christ, He's gonna take care of you, but on the outside, it doesn't look that way. If you when you look at examples it's not going to fit because that lust of the flesh is going to say, you know what? They're doing without a lot of things. You don't want to go that way. That pride of life is going to say, hey, there's no recognition of that. Nobody's going to appreciate what you're doing here. Nobody's going to care about what you're doing. You're not going to receive any recognition. The lust of the eyes, I mean, just look at that. I mean, it's not, it's not that great. That's all the devil lying to you. And he tried every bit of that with Jesus Christ and it didn't work. And it shouldn't work with us either but it's going to it's going to be challenging. I promise if you go and you decide I mean you make a sacrifice for the cause of Christ. The devil is he's going to throw something at you. If you decide, you know what? I'm going to start I'm going to start tithing. You know what's probably going to happen? I mean, hey, you start tithing, that's 10%. You could do a lot with that. Your best friend is going to get a new car that the payment you could afford it. If you just had an extra 10%. The devil's gonna, he's gonna throw that at you. Hey, you could have this car if you weren't tithing. You could have that same thing. He's gonna, he'll, he'll throw stuff like that at you. That's just how he works. He's slick. He's tricky. He does it all the time. He knows exactly what to use. And we've gotta learn to look past all that stuff and not fall for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's, those are the challenges from the devil. He challenged Jesus with them. He challenged Adam and Eve with them. And he has challenged you with them and he will continue to challenge you with them. And we've got to learn to overcome those things. Because being a servant, it's not an easy thing. It is challenging. And it was even challenging for Jesus Christ. Because, and not only the challenges that he got from the devil. Because, you know, really, the challenges from the devil, if we would just recognize that they were from him, that would make things a lot easier. For us, I mean, really, you know, it's almost a badge of honor to have the devil coming after you, is it not? I mean, hey, you know, the devil doesn't like me. That's a good thing. The devil's mad at me. Hey, I'm okay with that, but I think what's probably more challenging and what's probably even more challenging for Christ, and it's definitely more challenging for us, are the challenges that he got from his disciples. Go to Mark chapter 4. Verse 37. You know, if the devil came up to you, if he appeared to you in the flesh, and he called you every name in the book, you're probably going to feel complimented. But if one of the your brothers and sisters in Christ comes and does it, now we've got another issue. Now we're talking about getting out of church. Now we're talking about you know quitting serving God because this fellow brother or sister in Christ said this to me. But we got to understand too, that's really the devil too. So us, we're not smart enough to know that perfect thing to say at the worst time. We get that from the devil. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 37, it says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part, talking about Jesus, of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Notice first of all in this passage that Jesus was not like His disciples. Okay. He was not like us Notice what they said. What manner of man is this? And Jesus, notice the question he asked. And there's we don't have time to go into all of them. But over and over again, we see Jesus Christ being grieved by the lack of faith from his disciples and from his followers. Remember in John when Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. Why was Jesus weeping? It wasn't because Lazarus was dead. It was because the people didn't have any faith. Bible says that he groaned in his spirit. I mean, spiritually, it was rough on Jesus Christ constantly being around these people that had no faith. I mean, it was, it was insulting to him. I mean, here you have Jesus Christ in the boat with you. Jesus Christ Himself. And these guys are panicking. And they're like, don't you care what we're going through? And you know, Jesus, just with three words, takes care of the problem. But then He asks them, "Why are you so fearful? Why don't you have any faith?" That He, that was hard on him. And you know what? When you are a servant and you try serving other people in the church, and we've, we've talked a lot about you know, serving people, trying to get new Christians, trying to recruit new servants. You know what? A lot of them they're not going to be like you very much. They, listen, they just got saved they're not going to have a whole lot of faith. They're going to be challenging. Some of them are going to be a pain in the neck. They're not going to, you know, they don't so they don't know how we all act and talk and what we do as fundamental baptists yet. Hey, it takes some time. They need they need some time to grow and it's going to be challenging. You're going to have to do some teaching. You're going to have to teach them some things over and over again. It takes some people a while. To get certain things, but we have got to be patient with them. And Jesus Christ, thank the Lord, He didn't, went after this happening. So you know what, disciples? Forget you. Here I am in the boat with you, and you're all panicking. I'm out of here. He could have got, He could have got out of that boat, walked on the water, walked to the other side, and found some new disciples and let them drown out there. And you know what? That's what you and I would probably do most of the time. Whenever we get those new converts in here and they start causing trouble and they're just kind of a pain in the neck and they're panicking all the time because someone's like, hey, don't you have any faith yet? When are you going to learn? When are you going to figure this out? Don't, listen, let's not do that. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. They're going to, they're going to hurt you sometimes. They're going to let you down. But Jesus though, he, even though He was not like His disciples, He hung around these people because they needed Him. They need Jesus loved His disciples. They needed Him. And these people out there in the world, that are not like us. They need us. We need to be there for them. Jesus, He kept company with people that were not His equal, which was obviously everybody. Nobody was His equal. Matthew 9, verse 9, And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a young named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow Me. And he arose and followed him. Matthew was a publican. Okay, These guys... These guys were wicked. It would be like if we had an IRS worker start coming to our church. As tough as it would be, we would have to be nice to those people and need to reach out to them and try to, and try to be a blessing to them. But Jesus did that with Matthew. And not just Matthew came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with Him and His disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he saith unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus, he kept company with those who are not his equal. Remember, Jesus Christ, he was holy. And he is holy. Always was while he was on earth. And you, you think about the worst, scummiest person that you know. I mean, that just, they're so wicked and so vile, you can't stand to be around them. And then, that's how it would have been for everybody with Jesus. I remember, boy, when I worked at McDonald's, I was, I was 16 years old, grew up in a Christian home, went to the Christian school all my life. I didn't know. A whole lot of what was out there. And I remember I started working at McDonald's and I worked with some wicked individuals. I mean, just wicked. And I, it, I mean, it literally, I was so innocent. It just, it blew my mind the junk that people are involved in. I just, I didn't know it was that bad out there. And I remember one individual, just, just wicked, wicked individual. And I, I literally, I just, I detested this guy. I could not, I just, I could not stand this guy. He, he made me sick. He was just so wicked. And there, there was another one. This guy, he was just so nasty. His brain was just so fried from drugs. He was, he was so, he was, he just grossed me out. I hated working with him. And I'm just gonna be honest, I mean, I, I looked down on him pretty bad. And after I worked with these guys for a while and I realized the mess that they grew up in and what I grew up in, I realized I had no business acting like that. And the Lord convicted me of that and taught me a lot of things through that. But you know, part of the reason it was like that was because of the fact that, I mean, the words that came out of these mouths, some of them I'd never heard before. I mean, just sick things that they would talk about and I wasn't used to being around that kind of lifestyle at all, and imagine Jesus Christ, who on our best day—I mean, we're filthy—he came and dwelled among men for thirty-three years, and it never rubbed off on him one bit. In fact, he rubbed off on other people to the point that we're still seeing results of it today. And but that—that's what happened. And Jesus Christ was—he was able to, and that had to be challenging in a way that you and I cannot imagine. Source. I mean, you you think I I just I can't handle being around these people. They're just they're scumbags. They're 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 so disgusting. They're so horrible. They're so wicked. Well, thank God Jesus didn't have that attitude about you, and that He's willing to dwell inside of you, and that He was willing to save your soul. And you know what? It can't be easy, but He does it. And not everything that we've been called to do is easy. Sometimes it's tough. Jesus' disciples they were slow learners. Mark chapter nine. In verse 19, so the answer answered them and said, "O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring them unto me." I think it was last week we told this story where, um, or the week before where they brought that demonic child and the disciples couldn't, they couldn't uh, cast him out. And Jesus, he's disappointed in them. He's, he's, he's saddened at their lack of faith but because they were they were slow learners they liked to fight over stupid ridiculous things look at right look at Matthew chapter 9 verse 30 right after this whole mess where they couldn't cast out the the demons out of this child you would think the disciples would have been a little bit humble for a while you would think they'd have been like man you know lord just please forgive us lord why do you even allow us to be one of your disciples Jesus, we can't do what you do. We are so far below you. And they'd just thrown themselves at the mercy of Christ and been thankful that He allowed them to just be a disciple in the first place. But no. No, no, no. These guys, they were slow learners. Notice in chapter 9, verse 30 and verse 31. But when they were departed, spread abroad His fame in all that country, and they went out be. Oh, no, wait, no, I don't want to read that. That's the. That's where they cast the devil out. Lost my spot. I hate when I do that. I wrote the wrong passage. But right after, you remember the story, right after they couldn't perform this miracle, they were disputing along the way over who was going to be the greatest. Remember that? There was a few instances where they were fighting over those things. After their failure, they're trying to figure out who's the greatest and arguing about who's the greatest. Well, Peter, you know, I was the one that figured out that he was the Christ. Uh, surely it's going to be me. You know, James and John. Well, you know, we're the ones that were with them. All, you know, we're the ones that are with them all the time. Uh, you know, obviously it's us that's going to be the greatest. James and John's mother. Remember when she came along to Jesus and said, "You know, Lord, will you allow one of my sons to sit in your right hand and the other at the left hand, and your kingdom and all the other disciples?" Boy, they got mad. Yeah, right. That's my spot. I'm going to be the one doing that. Always fighting over this position. And just fighting over stupid things, and it, Jesus had tried many times to show them. The one time he brought the child, and he said, "You know, the, the child. This is the greatest. One who receives me as a little child." You remember when he uh, he pointed out the woman who gave the two mites? Jesus didn't get excited too much by what he saw in people, but he would show his disciples when he would get excited. Hey, look at this woman who gave the two mites. She's cast in more than all these who cast in of their abundance. Remember that centurion that came to Christ, they had that great faith. Jesus so sort does of I say, hey, I've not seen a faith like this. No, not in Israel. He was trying to show His disciples what was great and who was great, and they wouldn't get it. And then finally, He did the thing where He washed their feet to try to show them once again, whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. That's what the greatest is. The servant. Not the guy who's the boss. The servant is the greatest thing. But these guys were slow learners. And you know, it's sad, but some people are. It's going to take them a long time. You might see them get saved and come to church, but then you might see them out not acting like a Christian in the world. Some people are slow. Some people get it quick. Some get it slow, but we've got to be patient. We don't want to get a better-than-you attitude with people. We've got to love them. Jesus Christ, He didn't do it. You notice Jesus never, with all His disciples that were... Constantly causing problems, he never said, You're not my disciple anymore. He he didn't do it with Peter. You'd think after Peter denied him three times, he'd have been done, but no. Even though after Jesus rose from the dead, Peter said, I go fishing. I'm going back I'm going back to fishing. Surely I'm done being a disciple of Christ. Remember that angel, he remember that angel he said, Go and tell his disciples and Peter? Make sure to mention Peter because I think Anybody would have said Peter's done being a disciple. But no, Jesus wasn't done with them. Jesus gave them another chance. When they were there at that fire, He asked Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Three times He asked them that question. I think trying to give him a chance to make up for the three times, he denied Christ. You would think Thomas, when Thomas didn't show up when they were all gathered together and Thomas didn't believe that he really rose from the dead and said he wasn't going to believe till he got to see it for himself, you'd think that next week Jesus would have showed up and said, Thomas, Get out of here. I can't use people who don't have faith. He didn't do that. He didn't do that with anyone. When they were fighting over these things, He didn't say, "All right, guys, I'm done with you. Get out of here. I'm going and getting some new disciples. He could have done that stuff. And we've we've got to have that same attitude with people. We've got to be patient with people. We've got to do what we can to teach them. And sometimes it it might take years. And it's going to be frustrating. But just remember what Jesus puts up with us on a regular basis. Because not only Jesus, not only did He face challenges from the devil and face challenges from His disciples, but really the greatest challenge that Jesus faced was from us. It was from us. And listen, I'm, I'm talking literally. I know sometimes we get real general about things and we can't fully understand all that Jesus went through on that cross. But I personally believe that That death on the cross was a whole lot more than just the nails on the hands and the feet, the cat of nine tails, the crown of thorns. That becoming He who knew no sin, becoming sin for us, is something that you and I cannot fathom. And He literally became our sin when He was on that cross. That When He made that prayer, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. That cup of sin He had to taste what it is that we do. And it was disgusting to someone who was completely holy. That death on the cross, it was because of it was because of our sin. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 26. I want to read some of these passages to you so we can just because really, I think this was was the greatest challenge that Jesus ever faced. And it was, it was because of us. Then cometh Jesus. Verse 36, then Come of Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Jesus I mean, he's not lying here. Okay, now you and I, we exaggerate sometime. How many you, I mean how many of you ever I'm starving to death? Okay? My, my kids almost die every day. Now, Jason probably thinks he's dying right now. And that's how we that's how we are. But listen, if Jesus says, I'm sorrowful even unto death, I believe He was not far from death. That's how sorrowful He was. He wasn't lying to them. He's not exaggerating. He's facing probably the greatest challenge. And then verse 39, He went a little farther and fell on His face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. And He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith them, Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Once again, He gets let down by His disciples. When He needed them most. When He needed them praying for Him. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Praying for Jesus? That's what He was wanting then? You know, usually... He's what we're praying to. But at this time, He's needing them to pray to the Father for Him. And they keep falling asleep. While He is going through the most difficult thing He has ever faced, His disciples are sleeping. Once again, this is another great opportunity where Jesus could have said, get out of here. You're done. You're fired. But He didn't do it. And verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed saying, "Oh my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, Thy will be done. And He came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. He goes back and prays the same prayer. Lord, if there's another way, Lord, that's what I want. But Thy will be done. I mean, thank God that He had that attitude. And once again, the disciples let him down again. And he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words three times he prays us. Then cometh he to his disciples and say to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be gone. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And then here we see a man that was a close friend of Jesus for three years. Comes walking up the hill with the soldiers, so he can show who the Christ or who who Jesus is. And he when he betrays him, Bible says he does it with a kiss. He's being friendly, acting like everything's okay. But that's how the soldiers knew. And Jesus said, "Judas, betrayest thou me with a kiss? Are you going to do it like that?" We we can't even imagine the betrayal that Jesus faced at that point. After going through this challenge, the Bible says in one of the other accounts that while he was praying, he sweat as it were great drops of blood. I mean, the anguish that he was going through that is something that you and I have not faced. Something that we cannot imagine. And that was because of us. We were are just as guilty... As Judas Iscariot. We are just as guilty as Peter, James, and John. We have let God down. He paid for our sins. What all he thought, what all he felt. I mean, I believe we all contributed to that pain and suffering when Jesus was on that cross. And you know, others will cause you heartache and pain, but nothing like what we did to Jesus. And if we follow the example that Jesus Christ set. Our thought is going to be for the well-being of others, not our own. We're going to be able to get past, we'll be able to get past betrayals. Jesus was able to get past the betrayals. Jesus was still able to go to that cross. The Bible says despising the shame, but it said he did it for the joy that was set before him. Now, after all we've talked about, how could this be joy? How could you be the joy that was set before him? So he could save some people like us, who even after we get saved, we're still going to let him down on a regular basis. After he saves us and forgives us, so we can go and not forgive other people when they should. So, whenever we go through hard times, we could not have faith and not trust in him. Say, Pastor, you're making me feel bad. Well, sometimes we need to feel bad a little bit. And, but he did all that really what He asks in return is for us to go and do the same for others. To show that same forgiveness. To make that same sacrifice. And listen, people are going to be challenging. And I promise, the more people we get in this church, the more problems we're going to have. But you know what? The more blessings we're going to have too. As we overcome those things. And as we face those challenges. And we've got to, we've got to prepare ourselves for these things. Jesus Christ did that and said He was God, but yet He still faced challenges like you and I cannot imagine. And we need to follow that example. And as a servant, we're going to be asked to do some things that are challenging. We're going to be asked to do some hard things. And you know what? Nobody likes suffering. Nobody likes going through hard times, but I hope you can at least do like Jesus. And whenever you see the suffering coming, when you see the hard time coming, go ahead and pray. Lord, I don't want to have to face this. I don't want to have to deal with this. But not my will, but Thine be done. Let's follow that example that Jesus Christ sets. So with that, let's stand together tonight.